Radiodrome. It's another Radiodrome, and if you can't tell, Brad, I'm feeling a little bit better than last week. Got a little bit of energy back. That's good news, because I feel worse. (laughs) Well, that's what you get when you microwave Hot Pockets an hour before we go on. Not just any, not just any hot pocket, but the one. This is that special stomach ache where it's the stomach ache from the hot pocket that you eat that was found in the back of the fridge. And you go, and well, you go it doesn't have an expiration date, so it might still be good. Right, exactly. It's a microwave food; those last a long time. At least, at least <laughs> we're not into Futurama yet. Remember the self microwave and burrito? Just had a oh. but, it had a button on it. You just punched it, and it went whoop, and it was ready. <laughs> it tasted it's, it tasted about as well as it possibly could have, but uh, it didn't taste like old or anything. It's just not sitting well with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a and you've got a midnight screening to go to, don't you? I do. At least this one's only like eighty-seven minutes long. <laughs> midnight showing of Priest. This is one of those ones where now I've n- I've never read the comic that this is based on. I've heard this is one of those ones that was not shot as a PG thirteen. No, it's clearly even if even if, if if you look at like the opening animated sequence, which I've I, I've seen that part of it, it's clear this this is clearly shot to be an R. This is obviously not a PG thirteen film. It's been out in the UK for the past week, I think, or something like that. I don't know if they got it edited, if they got the movie edited, but we sure as hell did. Well, uh, as Todd was saying on More Horror Than Horror last week, Todd Sheets, our boss, that apparently Radiodrome fans don't like too much, as he was saying, <laughs> you guys need to stop patronizing these types of movies. you got to send them the message that if you're going to edit the movie to a PG-13, then you're not getting my dollar. I am not going to give you my money to see it as PG-13, even knowing, oh, well, I can get the uncut version on DVD. You guys need to stop going to these things to show them through the pocketbook you're not going to put up with these PG-13 horror movies anymore. And I think the biggest problem is is that there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that it's edited. And and honestly I agree with I agree with everything that Todd said. The the only reason why I'm seeing this, why I'm seeing this is because I'm I'm trying to do this thing this summer where I go see all of the midnight shows, uh like all of the midnight premieres and, and this one's getting a midnight one. So that's that's the only reason why I'm actually going to go see it in the theater. If not, no, there's no way in hell I would pay. You're paying to see an edited for TV version essentially. Exactly. I'm not. I'm. You know. I. I wouldn't want to do that. But and so we're a, a group of us are seeing that, and we're sending. Uh, we're sending Jared to go see Bridesmaids. And yeah, you were telling me off mic. Unfortunately, he doesn't feel put off by that. Oh, we thought that was going to be like last week when we're like we're like okay, what's going to be the midnight showing for next week? I look online and it says Bridesmaids, and I'm really. Bridesmaids is getting a midnight screen. Really? Ugh, all right. So I'm telling people, I'm like, well, I, I guess we got to see Bridesmaids. And then I see Priest is opening, and I'm, why is Bridesmaids getting one and, and Priest isn't? I mean, not that Priest really looks all that good, but it, it seems like if one of them was going to get a midnight, I, I look it up again, and both of them are getting midnights. Brian and I are talking, and we're saying, uh, like, why don't we send Jared to go see bridesmaids that way we've hit we've hit uh both and uh, my wife says i don't you think you could talk him into it i'm like i'll try uh, so i go so i go upstairs i, I say to, i say to him i'm like all right dude I, i've had i have this idea and keep in mind i'll pay for it 
like I started out with that, you know. Okay, fine, I'll pay for it. We would like to send you to see Bridesmaids while we go see Priest. And he's like, are you serious? Dude, that looks hilarious! Really? All of a sudden you question why you're his friend? No, all of a sudden I questioned why that surprised me that he just said that. <laughs> <laughs> He has he has a slightly different taste in in comedy than I do, <laughs> like and, and Bride. It's one of those things like it's gotten fairly decent reviews, but man, to say that I can't stand Kristen Wiig is an understatement in regards to everything that I can't freaking stand in the world. Well, to me, you know, keep in mind I hated The Hangover. It looks like a female version of The Hangover, a chick flick version of The Hangover. More or less, which in theory, I mean, you know, it's it's not like even The Hangover was the first movie to do that plot, but, you know, I mean, in theory, something like that could still sort of be funny. I just, wah, I can't stand Kristen Wiig. I hate Kristen Wiig. She's the worst. She's the worst thing to happen to Saturday Night Live since ripping up, ripping up a picture of the Pope. Well, I didn't have a problem with that as an atheist, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm not a Sinead O'Connor fan. I just I'm not a Sinead O'Connor fan, but as an atheist, I just like anything that attacks religion. <laughs> that was the only controversial thing I could think of off the top of my head. Andrew Dice Maybe Clay. Fun. Andrew Dice Clay. Okay, there, Andrew Clay. Or uh, uh, when uh, um, Elvis Costello got banned for singing radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be bringing up Saturday Night Live again for for our uh, discussion this week. But first, I want to rant about something, and I, I have to feel that you're going to agree with me, but I'm not 100% uh, sure because we have not discussed this prior. Priest, the advertising, they keep calling it based on the graphic novel. I am yeah. so sick of this term graphic novel when they mean comic book. I keep hearing Batman is a graphic novel character. Watchmen, based on the graphic novel Watchmen. I even saw an ad for the animated Superman Doomsday movie a few years ago that said, yeah. based on the best-selling graphic novel, The Death of Superman. Guys, these are well, comic books. Okay, these, these are not graphic novels. These are comic books. There's nothing wrong with the term comic book. But to the media, it seems like there's this this thing where comic books are for kids. Adults read graphic novels. Kids read comic books. Sure, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't read a lot of comic books. I don't, but it's always seemed to me that the difference between a comic book and a graphic novel is a graphic novel is sort of presented like a book, like a uh, a one-off, you know, hardcover book that's just told via comic style. And, and you are correct. And that's, how, that's how I always perceive the difference between the two. Granted, you, like you are said, correct. Like, not like you are correct on a certain level. But yeah. like the Watchmen is called a graphic novel. It was a 12-issue miniseries released sequentially over an entire year. Even the yeah. writer, Alan Moore, says he's never written a graphic novel. He writes comic books. Yet everyone seems to want to elevate it by, oh, it's better than a comic book. That makes it a graphic novel. You know, it's like, I didn't yeah. write a graphic novel. I wrote a comic book. You think that some things should be called graphic novels? There definitely are some, yes. 
Absolutely. I've I've got a bunch that easily like like the X Men. God loves man kills. That was easily a graphic novel. It was a one shot. It was darker than the regular series. It took place relatively out of continuity, and it did things they would not have been able to do in the normal comic. Fine, I accept that. But yeah. people like like Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. I love that miniseries. Again, the author Frank Miller hates the term graphic novel. It's constantly called a graphic novel. And he's like, no, it's a comic book. Batman is a comic book character. He's not a graphic novel character. And you even see this in mainstream TV. Like, uh, I saw a Law & Order Special Victims Unit where uh, a serial killer was chronicling his kills through a comic book. And the police even there, man, look at all the graphic novels this guy has. And he's holding (laughs) up like a Superman comic. No, guys, that's a comic book. Yeah. I know I'm arguing semantics here, but it's but Frank Frank Miller put it beautifully. A hooker and a lady of the night are the exact same thing. It just makes you feel better when you call her a lady of the night. <laughs> and that's the difference and between a, a graphic novel a gra- and a comic book. Yeah. You feel better, you feel more adult calling it a graphic novel, but I don't like the stigma that comic book has. Guys, they're comic books. Where do you go every Wednesday? Do you go to the graphic novel store or do you go to the comic book store? I'm sorry, well, I, think, I just this angers me. Well, I think uh, I think if something is legitimately a graphic novel, then it should be called that if that's what it's intended to be. But if not, yeah, it's perfectly it's perfectly okay, yeah, to get upset if you're calling something a graphic. It's not. I mean, that would be like you know that that'd be like calling you know. Looney Tunes and anime. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. It just I, this is something that really bothers me. And now that I've said it, I'm going to get a hundred emails specifically calling me out on this and constantly using the term graphic novel just to piss me off. I, I know well, the fans of Radiodrome will do that to me. Well, here's here's my thing. I mean, if the person who the argument ends when the person who created it says it's not a graphic novel, <laughs> you would think that, but. I've actually heard arguments by pseudo-intellectuals that go, well, see, Alan Moore doesn't know what he's talking about. Even though he wrote it, the thing is so transcendent, it goes way beyond comic books. You know, you, you hear the people that, igno- that ignore the author. It's like the... Have you ever seen Back to School with Rodney yeah, Dangerfield? Yeah. Remember, he cheats and actually has Kurt Vonnegut write the pa- paper on Kurt Vonnegut, and he gets an okay. F on it, and the teacher goes, whoever you paid to write this doesn't know the first thing about Vonnegut. <laughs> you know, kind of the way I interpret it is the only right way. The person who actually wrote it, I don't care what they actually intended with this thing. If it's one thing, if it's if it's opinion, it's one thing if it's opinion. If the director comes out and says like, "I think my movie sucks," you know, then you know you can say like, "Well, I disagree with them there. I, I like I like this," you know. But when it's something like that. If the director comes, it'd be like you know the director comes out and says something like, uh, "What his intent of the what his intent of the comic is, what his intent of the movie is." That's what it's. That's uh, to me like yeah. If he says that it's not, if he says it's not a graphic novel, if he says it's a comic book, then that's what it is, in, in my opinion. Well, I I ran into this incident at the at the local Green Bay comic store once. I was argue I was arguing this thing, you know, in a friendly argument with the owner, and this yeah. just you know literally stereotypical comic book guy, comic book guy, 
Yeah. He, he was like, I don't read comic books. I'm too mature for that. I read graphic novels only. And I look at the stack of the stuff he's buying, and it's that week's Flash and Superman and Batman and stuff. And I'm going, little, uh, yeah, I'm going, no fat ass. You read comic books. You just <laughs> want to pretend that you're more mature than you are. You ponytail wearing fat man. <laughs> I, I'm you sorry. Read did, the comic book guy, didn't you? <laughs> no, he was exactly. I mean, this was the exact type of person that comic book guy is a parody of, and that's kind of scary. That other than worst, <laughs> worst cosmic wars ever, we'll only go see it seven more times. Ah, I remember ah, that. I remember that. <laughs> but okay, tonight's topic was was originally it was going before my rant. Brad and I discussed tonight's topic will be altered DVDs or altered versions of films. What when when I say that, what do you think of? for a film that is just vastly inferior on DVD than, say, the theatrical version you went and saw. When you first uh, mentioned that, the first thing that came to my head was when I first got the DVD, the Anchor Bay DVD for Sleepaway Camp that was edited. Because for the longest time I had it on VHS, you know, I had that movie on VHS, and then I I get it on DVD, I'm like, uh, well, this scene seems... This scene looks... Uh, I seem to recall them skinny thing in this scene. All right, uh, I could have swore the snake coming out of his head was longer in my cut. I could have swore all of these death scenes were longer in my cut. Like it was, it would. Then I look at the box and I'm like, it says like rated R, and I'm, oh, I guess it was unrated when it's on VHS. But that that baffled me because Anchor Bay, you know, the DVDs that I always had for them were always. They were upfront about how uncut, unedited they are. Okay, I got to, I got to call you on that. I got to call you out on that one. You're referring to the old Anchor Bay when they got bought by a media conglomerate. That's when you started to see the edited versions that you're now complaining about. They used you know, to be sleepaway, an uncut the company. Camp, the Sleepaway Camp DVD came out a while ago. Okay, because I, I remember the Anchor Bay you're talking about, and I used to love that Anchor Bay. This Sleepaway Camp DVD came out around that time before they got bought out this this okay th- this came out like the same time that stuff like they were putting out stuff like hell of the living dead all right uh, so so yeah i'm talking like way early 2000s here and uh so so anyway uh like why that that really that really just for a loop i mean eventually another company released sleepaway camp it didn't have the extras on it that the anchor bay one did but eventually another company did release it on dvd uncut but by that point it was like hey i've, I've got my vhs i'm fine <laughs> well see the one that i in- initially thought of was cut and run the 1985 yeah. uh, diodato movie okay i watched that tons of times that was an hbo staple when i was a kid so I must have seen that movie a hundred times when I was a kid on HBO and then yeah. renting it from the video store. Yeah. The DVD, and I, I appreciate their effort in this. Yeah. The DVD has a bunch of deleted scenes edited back into the movie. Diodato's version. This is scenes that he didn't want cut initially. Here's the problem. They could only find the Italian language dubs yeah. of these. So there are no English versions of these deleted scenes but they have english subtitles so you'll be watching the movie and all of a sudden they start speaking italian and you have english subtitles for two and a half minutes and then it'll go back to the american version and you don't have the option to watch the american version 
And it's incredibly annoying to try and watch this where they keep swapping languages in the middle of the movie. I remember I, I had a few other DVDs that did that too. Uh, Deep Red did that. Uh, Deep Red did that. And Salon, the two disc of Salon Kitty uh, did that as well. That was always something that it didn't bother me if I hadn't seen the movie before. But if I had, say for instance, okay, say for instance when like uh, the special edition VHS of the Blues Brothers came out, and they put they put several deleted scenes back into the movie. That's that's a movie I've seen quite a quite a bit. So in watching that with all of these scenes put back in there, it was like hey, okay, this is interesting, but I kind of want a version of the movie like a special version of a special edition of the movie like this that doesn't have those scenes spliced into it and it just it bothers me that i mean on vhs i understand you can't do two versions normally but on the dvd i don't see there was any reason that cut and run could not have had an option where a, a branching where you could watch the american cut or watch the director's cut i don't know why that was impossible for them to do yeah it seems like i mean i, I mean uh, crap! I uh, there was one movie I had on DVD called The uh, Delirium that had Mickey Hargaday in it that had two different versions of the movie on it, and we're talking night and f- day. Like the subplots are different, the re- the reveal of the killer was different. Like it was almost it it, it really was two completely different movies. If that can have both versions on it, then if you have the means to put both versions on your mo- on on your disc, then really you should you should because especially if you're talking something like Cut and Run that you've seen a bunch and you want that particular version of the movie, it seems like you sh- a company should probably should probably adhere to that. And well, the same thing with uh, Any Given Sunday, the yeah. Oliver Stone film. I saw that yeah. in the theater, and I used to have a theatrical bootleg, which I wish now I'd kept. The only version that's commercially available on VHS and on DVD is the director's cut, which adds a uh, ton of unnecessary subplots that just bog the movie down. I would have uh, liked the option to see the version that I saw in the theater, but Stone says, "Nah, you don't. You don't need to see that version anymore." I want to see that version. Yeah, I, I liked it much more in the theater than I did when I saw it on video, and now I wish I'd kept that that theatrical bootleg of it. I remember how mad I was when. Uh... Okay, okay. Battlefield Earth comes out on DVD, right? Oh man, I saw that in the theater too. So did I. So did I. <laughs> I saw. I saw it in the theater as well. But okay, Battlefield Earth comes out on DVD. A friend of mine rents it, and I'm thinking like, oh, you're like he's like, I hear this is really bad, and I'm like, oh, it's terrible. But but dear God, it's if there's a movie that's so bad, it's really kind of entertaining. Then this is it. So anyway, I mean, I'm telling like this thing campy as hell. So we're, we're kind of watching through the thing. I'm like, oh, this is just as hilarious as I remembered it. Anyway, we're kind of getting on and on throughout it. I'm like, wait, where's the funniest scene in the movie? He's like, what? I'm like, no, let's just keep watching it and I'll see if it pops up. Get to the end. I'm like, oh, this is this is freaking Ed. What the hell? And so I'm telling him, like, there was a scene in the theatrical version and it was the funniest scene in the movie where... Travolta is leading him out. They're gonna like mine for gold and all that. And then uh, he grabs one of the guys, one of the humans, and he says, uh, "Let's see if you man animals can fly." And he chucks the guy off the cliff. 
this long shot of this guy falling off this cliff because Travolta in that ridiculous costume just chucked him off like a baseball. Anyway, and that's not that's, on the DVD. No, it's not. It's not. Um, it's 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 not on the DVD. Uh, and, and I looked it up online, and uh, you can't get you cannot get uh, unless. Unless you can in like other countries, I don't know. But here, around here, you can't get the theatrical version of that on on DVD. And I I I know people listening are like, why would you want any version of it on DVD? But are gonna watch it for comedic value. That scene was the funniest scene in the movie to me, anyway. Another um, another one that you just made me think of when you said the theatrical version you can't get Star Trek Generations. Did you see that in the theater? Remember Kirk's skydiving scene? Uh, I didn't. See, I didn't see that one in the theater. Kirk had a scene where he wanted a big entrance. So when Chekhov and uh, Scotty come to get him t- to take yeah. him onto the Enterprise B, he skydives down in a silver costume for the big grand entrance. You know, for Shatner's ego. Yeah. That scene's in the trailer. They even made an action figure out of skydiving Kirk. Oh, scene's wow. not in any home version. Huh. Scene was only in the theatrical version for some reason because I think rightfully they looked at it and said this is pompous and ridiculous, so yeah. that's why they deleted it. But it'd be nice to include in some version. You know, I think if it was at least released theatrically, it'd be some version. They're, they sh- they should put out at least some version of it to buy. You know that that is the theatrical version. See, I, I've got a work print for generations, and it's in that. So technically, I do have it. Just <laughs> cough, cough. Not officially. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I don't officially have that scene, but I do have that scene. Yeah. But it will, and it's not even just those types of alterations. Did you ever see the Rankin Bass uh, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies from the seventies? Uh, I saw Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. Uh, I'm I'm not really that big of a Lord of the Rings fan, so... I, I Okay, I would say their version of The Hobbit is really good. The 1977 TV movie. Only see it on VHS. For some reason, I don't know if... I don't, I don't know if special effects have rights or anything like that, or if they went to some sort of effects house that they lost the rights to or something. All of the sound effects have been changed yeah. for the DVD. Oh, wow. The iconic sound effects that you're used to if you grew up watching this all sound totally different on the DVD, and I don't understand why. Oh, oh, um, Ms. 45, that's one that I only watch on VHS, because the DVD, for for a while, the only DVD of it you could get was edited. I don't know if it still... Like edited for an R? Yes, yeah, they, they 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 cut stuff out of it. Uh, they cut. They trimmed out a lot of the. They trimmed out some of the violence from the the shootout at the end, and also uh, uh, one of the rape scenes. So I, I that that's one that I on, that I only have on VHS. Uh, TV shows when they're put on DVD. Have you seen yeah. any of the atrocities that are Twenty One Jump Street on DVD? No, I haven't. They're unwatchable. Okay, first they're all they're all the syndicated versions. So every episode is missing two minutes of footage from the original Fox airings. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the fact that they didn't have the rights to any of the rock music that was originally oh, in the show. Oh, that sucks. So, and it's even worse is you still see the credit. Like, music in this episode performed by X, yet it's all stock music in, this, in the episodes. 
Oh, that would tick me off. But yeah, I remember that. That even reminds me, like, uh, I, I, I remember, like, if we're talking, I, I remember, like, sort of the opposite effect of what we're talk of what we're talking about happening, where the VH, where a VHS for the longest time, the only VHS version of uh, the movie Slapshot I could find had the soundtrack all taken out of it. Um, oh, and then I, it, when I it finally came out on DVD, it had the the original soundtrack put in. I hate it. What it, Slapshot? It, oh, I love no, it. no, no. I mean them removing the soundtracks. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I can't stand. Yeah, so that, so like, I, oh, man, I was, I was really glad when that came out on DVD because for a while, like on VHS. The, the version of Slapshot you would find would have, and it it was so stupid too because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like Maxine Nightingale playing on there, but it would be like a sound alike. Yeah, that, that's basically what Twenty One Jump Street did. It's it's sound alikes. It's you're close but not quite, yeah. and which just makes me you know I I know I say this at least once an episode. I've got every episode on tape from the original Fox airing, so I have all of Twenty One Jump Street uncut. I'll Good. stick with I'll stick with those versions, and you can keep your crappy DVDs. But the yeah. the DVDs, Anchor Bay even did something worse to the DVDs than what we've already discussed. Yeah. Okay. Johnny Depp left the show midway through season four, so yeah. he wasn't in season five at all. Nor was he in the last four episodes of season four. Obviously, Johnny Depp is what's going to be selling those DVDs. Well, season five wouldn't have any Johnny Depp. So they held Johnny Depp's final episode from season four, which, keep in mind, was only three-quarters of the way through the season in continuity. Yeah. They kept it off the season four set and put one Johnny Depp episode on the season five set so they could still put Johnny Depp on the cover. That's so cheap. That is so (laughs) sleazy. And then they even put out a press release trying to justify this when fans were complaining, saying that, oh, that episode was always intended to be the first episode of Season 5. And I go, yes. no. It has a production code from Season 4. Yeah. They mention, after that episode takes place in Season 4, Hanson not being there. Yeah. No, there, that episode, there's no way that was shot for Season 5. You people yeah. just didn't want to release Season 5 without Johnny on the cover. Sleazy as hell. That's the new Anchor Bay. And that was, uh, I hate too how you have some shows that give up on release, some DVD companies, I mean, that just give up on releasing any more seasons. Hill Street Blues. Where is my seasons three through seven, damn it? Yeah, Hill Street Blues. uh, TJ Hooker only put out like the first two seasons. Um, St. Elsewhere only put out the first season. Yeah, Night Court. Um, no, they are doing more Night Courts. They're doing more Night. Okay, good. good yeah, they they, they are continuing with Night Court. Good, good. good. The one that re- the the two that really bother me are two little known shows that were only two season shows, and that's uh, SWAT and War of the Worlds. Yeah, they released the first season of SWAT to coincide with that horrible LL Cool J movie. <laughs> yeah, season two nowhere to be seen. Yeah, War of the Worlds released for the horrible Tom Cruise movie. Season two, they're, they've outright said Paramount. We have no plans to release season two. Season, the hell? it's they only seventeen be- episodes. You can't just put it on like one of them, one of those uh, uh, make on demand things. Give me my season two, damn it, dude. And and like you, you mean they didn't even release season two to coincide with that direct to video movie? Oh my god, yeah that that always that always drove me nuts. It, it um, also really drives you nuts when. 
it's like a three-season show, and they released the first two seasons and not the third, like Sequest. Okay, yeah. I loved Sequest. Season one was good. Not great, not bad. Season two was awful. And season yeah. three was amazing. By the way, season three is the Michael Ironside season. Nice. It's when he took over as captain. They released yeah. seasons one and two, and, and those didn't sell well, so they said there's no plans to release season three. Just finish it off. There's only 13 episodes in season three. Just give us yeah. season three, damn it. Do you think that uh, they'll release the uh, 1980 to 81 season of Saturday Night Live? I would think so, because that's Eddie Murphy. That's his first years. It is, but it, it was... Uh, that I like I, I was when they started releasing like the SNL DVDs. I'm like, oh man, I hope they get to eighty and eighty one because that's that's like the season that that most people hate. And uh, I mean, I I relatively enjoyed it, but Eddie Murphy most, is clearly the standout in those years, Eddie, though. Eddie Murphy and Piscopo. Um, I liked uh, some of Charles Rocket's stuff. Um, you like him swearing on the air, getting him fired. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, want to know who the <laughs> shot me. <laughs> and ni- the 1980 to 81 season is the one that has the episode that Malcolm McDowell hosts. Halloween 81 is the one hosted by Donald Pleasance and Fear is the musical guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one where um, the big story was Fear kind of went off script. You, you, yeah. you can see them cut out of their performance early in one of them where a fan jumps up on stage and because it was aired on Halloween night, they grab the huge lit pumpkin and start to throw it right as they fade out. And that was John Belushi's last appearance on that too. He has a cameo because Fear was his favorite band and he told them if they put Fear on there, he'd appear in the episode. So oh, it's yeah. also yeah. Belushi's last appearance in that Halloween 81 episode as well. Yeah, I hope I, I hope they put that out on DVD because I remember even when uh, the reason why there was a thing in my head like I wonder I hope they put this out on DVD I hope they don't skip it there was a part in my head that was like uh, was was afraid they would because I remember uh, on uh, when when SNL was still on Comedy Troll you could find clips of it you could find sketches and stuff on online on their website going back to the first season you could and it was separated by year except one year. And Why? that year wasn't listed on there. Why? Because Lorne Michaels hates that season. Well, still, I think, if nothing else, Eddie Murphy being on it would sell enough DVDs to justify it. Oh, yeah, I'm buying it. I'm, I'm freaking buying it. Well, and then I, I said I'd bring Saturday Night Live up again. Do you remember in 78 when Saturday Night Live tried to make a spinoff show called Mr. Mike's Mondo, Vi- Mondo Video? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, it's horrible. Okay, yeah. what what seemed to work on Saturday Night Live, I know I, I see what they were going for with the Mondo Video pilot, yeah. and you know it's got Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Terry Garr and Carrie Fisher and um, uh, Debbie Harry and stuff like that. So it's it's got a good cast and Michael O'Donohue. I really do like a lot of his stuff, but I think yeah. this was pure him. He had nobody restraining him, and I think that was the problem. He's one of those guys that needed to have a little bit of control to sure. to kind of bottle the genius as it was. The reason I brought it up is that hit DVD not too long ago, and I just saw it. And one of the clips that they use is Sid Vicious singing My Way from the great rock and roll swindle. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the audio is taken out with a text crawl going up that Paul Anko uh, would not okay the rights for this. Yet uh, it, it initially aired clean. 
all video versions have the song removed, and that Why just would you put the muted clip in there. In in my opinion, I would still do it just because this way they're calling out the Paul Anka group, you know, to, okay, okay. to keep it in yeah. there to kind of call out and point out the hey, this is their fault. You don't get to hear this. So in that I regard, agree. I see why they do that. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, when you, when you said that in my head, I immediately thought of when uh, YouTube started muting videos. Like I remember, I had some videos on YouTube back then that uh, that had. Yeah, I don't know some song in it or something, and YouTube would would mute it. So that was like for me thinking like, why don't they just just take it down like they used to? Just take. Why would I want this to stay up muted? What would be the point? So that uh, and that immediately went to my head when you said that. But you mentioning yeah them calling them out on I I agree with that. I agree with that doing with them doing that. Yeah. But here's the funny part. You can still for I I don't know what you know the the rights that were worked out the DVD yeah. for the Great Rock and Roll Swindle has the song still yeah. in it so you can get the original performance but you can't get the performance when it was edited into another video <laughs> am I the only one that thinks this is so convoluted at this point the rights issues that it doesn't make any sense and it plays like it plays that it plays that song at the ending credits of Goodfellas exactly. I just I don't understand. You know, maybe it might be their specific contract. Yeah. You know, their their specific contract. Whereas when the Great Rock and Roll Swindle did it, they might have also contracted for video as well. Mm-hmm. So it might be that there was nothing the Paul Anka Group could do after after the fact. Yeah, because I, I do know that's what happened with Miami Vice with their yeah. their music issues. Why you? the videotapes that were released by Columbia House had all the music replaced, whereas the the syndicated airings on, like, TNN and stuff like that still had all the music because they didn't think far enough ahead. Obviously, in 1984, you're not thinking a TV show is ever going to wind up on video. So, yeah. say, we can license this song for $60,000 for video and broadcast or for $30,000 for just broadcast. So we're going to play it cheap now, and then all of a sudden they want $70,000 for just video later, and they go, screw you. We're not paying that. Does Vice, uh, does Vice still have uh, all the, uh, the music in it when you buy it on DVD? Yeah, um, that's why initially the DVDs were so expensive. Now you can get you know, a season for 10 bucks at Target. But yeah. initially when they came out, they were so expensive because they had to specifically go and relicense every piece of music that was in that show. Yeah. So you yeah. can get Vice uncut. Yeah, Vice. Uh, I had a lot of them on uh, VHS, but the ones that I had on VHS w- didn't have the music taken out. Uh, uh, the, the the episodes that I had, uh, well, like of course the pilot and Prodigal Son. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Columbia House because they were releasing them in seemingly random order. I think yeah. they they released most of the ones that they didn't have a whole lot of rights issues with. Yeah. Which is why you just got seemingly random episodes on the Columbia House tapes. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same thing with uh, Tour of Duty. You remember that show? Yeah. DVDs, unwatchable. Not one piece of 60s music is in it. (laughs) There's even one point where a guy is listening to a song on the radio and singing along to it. And they even overdubbed his singing to match the new music that they put in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're not getting my money. Again, I got them all on tape from CBS. 
I'll keep my CBS airings because they're yeah. uncut. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even freaking buy that. <laughs> well, like, uh, do you remember Hunter? Yeah, yeah. The Hunter set is just chopped to hell. Again, thank you, Anchor Bay. They use the syndicated versions. And at one point in the the Dennis Franz storyline, Stephanie Kramer's character went undercover into a nightclub, and she was singing an Ario Speedwagon song. They just cut her entire audition in front of the bad guy because there was no way they'd be able to... I mean, it'd be clear she was not singing the song that you were hearing on yeah. the DVD, so they just cut it completely. I remember the the, the ALF DVDs were, were edited. I know the WKRP ones are horrible. Because, yeah. Because the way it, WKRP was shot, you can't edit around those. Yeah. Because it was shot on video and shot in mono, so the audio and the music were married together. There's no yeah. way you could separate the two without overdubbing all of the actors. So the KRPs, they actually used, they, they did that. They overdubbed the actors, so half the time you're not hearing the actor's actual voice. Oh. Which, to me, unwatchable. You're not getting my money for that. No way, no way. The this that I had of Alf, it was a syndicate. It was a syndicated versions that were on there, so they were edited. But it would always, it would always piss you off even more because on the ending credit, the ending credit sequence of Alf, you know, it was one of those where they would, it would show you would be showing clips of the episode that you just watched as the credits roll over it. Um, they would and show clips would, of scenes that weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the uh, deleted for syndication scenes were in there. I remember when Hill Street Blues was syndicated, or when uh, Bravo was showing them. I was watching them all again a couple of years ago, and you got to remember Hill Street uncut. Those episodes are fifty minutes long. Yeah. Syndicated are forty two, so you're losing eight minutes of content per episode. Yeah. Sometimes entire credited guest stars would be cut out. Yeah. You know, guest starring Danny Glover. And yet Danny Glover appears nowhere in the, the syndicated version of the episode. Yeah, yeah. And you go, what? you guys are useless. But 22, then, where I see uh, uh, edited, edited NYPD Blue pop up in syndication. Oh. For, for I, several reasons, that's funny. Do they take out the language? They do whenever uh, uh, they would say... Uh, in the, you, remember, you remember that period when it was okay to say... Uh, yeah. On... Uh, on regular television yeah like chicago yeah. hope did it and then nypd blue did it did it for a while they you, you you'll find that like that's muted out when you see it on syndication but also other stuff too that wouldn't necessarily be edited out of if it was on like another network you know like i saw oh this is funny i mean <laughs> this is this is funny. I was watching Cheers one night. I was watching Cheers one night a few a few uh, months back and uh it was on the Hallmark channel. Okay, so a family-friendly channel. Yeah, Carla Carla's talking. Carla's talking and she I forget what exactly she says. She says something about like a guy's face looking like a butt. And she says the word butt. Okay. They muted the word butt. But why this is funny is because every commercial break when it showed previews for Cheers, not of like a specific episode, just like you know, like weeknights. Yeah. Cheers, you know, just a random series of clips of Cheers. That clip was always in there and not and not <laughs> Un- bleeped. Yeah, unbleeped of her saying the word "but." Well, you, you, you know what's really funny? A uh, guy I used to work with, uh, he was my cameraman on uh, Midnight. Yeah. 
he he's he's a hardcore Christian. We're friends, but he's you know religion is our our big beef. Yeah. And he used to work at a Christian TV station back in the I think early nineties. Yeah. And they got the syndication rights for the Greatest American Hero. It was his job to edit out all of the superhero stuff because that was deemed satanic. Of which show? Greatest American Hero. Oh. So, so basically, all the episodes consisted of was all the talking scenes. Whenever, yeah. the, whenever the co- William Cat needed to do something in the costume, it was edited out from on that channel. Oh. And it just makes you wonder. Then why'd you buy the show? What's the point? He's gonna he's gonna buy episodes of the Cinema Snob and cut out my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny is remember when I told you about those uh, hardcore porn laser discs that I got? Yes. I found out that my copy of New Wave Hookers is mm. uncut for language. The DVD <laughs> edits some of the language out from the original cut. I don't like naughty language when <laughs> when I'm watching porn. No, it's not the naughty language. It's some <laughs> it's some racial epithets. Oh. They I'm not going to say the words, but they say the racial epithets for black people and Chinese people like seven times in that. And those are actually bleeped out on the DVD, but all the hardcore sex scenes are still there. Racism makes me feel really guilty when I climax. <laughs> it just, it just, I'm just thinking, I'm just think, this is just the weirdest the- edits. <laughs> Yo, it amazed me that I, that was, that, this reminds me of uh, when this was put out on DVD and all the music was still in it, uh, the porno uh, Hot Summer in the City. Remember that? I don't remember the porn, but I, yeah, I know the song. Or well, Hot Child in the City was the song. Not uh, well. There, yeah, there was a movie called Hot Child in the City, but uh, no, this this was a porn called Hot Summer in the City, and it's about a girl who gets kidnapped by this gang, and it's not really that good of a movie, but it's got a pretty decent burst of violence at the end of it of uh, this shootout. But anyway, um, the the soundtrack for it is huge. I'm talking the song Summer in the City. There's like the Beach Boys on there. Several things are on the soundtrack to this, and this movie looks like it looks like Last House on Dead End Street. I mean, the thing—it looks like a snuff film. Well, and, see, you, what you got to remember about a lot of those, Forty uh, Second Street Pete was talking about that on his show once. In a lot of that stuff, they never bothered to get the rights to those songs. They, they just took whatever song they wanted and put it in their movie. I believe that. I certainly believe that that's what happened when this movie was originally released. I believe that. Yeah, they just put the songs in there, which is what I do with my movies. But um, well, see, that's part of the problem that alternative cinema has when they're trying to put all these out on DVD. They the soundtracks were never licensed, so obviously the licensees are never going to give alternative cinema the rights to the songs after the fact. Where in the city eventually released on DVD, legitimately released on DVD with the original soundtrack. And I'm sure they paid through the nose to get the rights to those songs again. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they paid a ton of money for that at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I just I just think that's funny like of of all the movies that like no man, we're we're keeping the original soundtrack. Hot Summer in the City. <laughs> well, have you ever seen the movie Mean Guns with no, the, I haven't. Christopher Lambert and Ice-T? Oh, oh. Tom oh. Matthews. Yeah, I, I remember that. Well, like, Albert Pinn's original 
idea for that was supposed to be, okay, you got all these hardcore killers, hardcore violence, hardcore sex. He wanted the movie to have PG language because he thought it would be really funny to have these guys going around calling each other like dumb heads and, you know, saying fudge and stuff like that. <laughs> I think that would have been an interesting idea to have a hardcore action movie with not one swear word in, intentionally. <laughs> he said it was sort of his way to call out the TV edits and things like that. Well, it reminds me of uh, the Stanley Goodspeed character from The Rock. Oh. Oh. Who uh, I, I love The Rock. Uh, I do too, but I did not like his character. Oh, I loved Stanley Goodspeed. I like Nicolas Cage, but his character did not work for me. A Beatles super freak. Like, well, gosh, a lot's happened since then. Uh, I, I I love Stanley Goodspeed. I think I think that's a really fun Nick Cage character. I like him. I, I like his character in that a lot a lot better than in Con Air. I keep I um, keep hoping he got killed when Armageddon took out New York. No, I I loved Stanley Goodspeed, but I thought Stanley Goodspeed was very funny, and part of the reason was him saying stuff like a hole and very PG variants of curse words. Well, I always took that as uh, he's trying to be tough and he just doesn't know how to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I think I still think that's very fun. I still think that's very funny that he uses language like that in that movie. Well, you, um, you know what I find funny when you brought up like NYPD Blue on on uh, syndication. I find funny when a show is on FX and you know it's something that was originally on the network and they beep out something like ass, whereas in the Shield you can show so much more than that. You know, that, okay, on the same network, why is it okay on one show and not okay on another? Yeah. It, it kind of goes back to, uh, back on MTV, whether you were popular or not depended on whether certain words got beeped in your songs. Because, sure. like, remember Lita Ford's Kiss Me Deadly? One of the very first lines is, went to a party, got in a fight, didn't get laid. Mm. Not beeped. The word laid is not beeped out. Yeah. An obscure thrash metal band that was out at the same time called Manitoba's Wild Kingdom had the word laid in their song, and MTV beeped it every time. Well, one's a, one's a platinum-selling artist, one's a band nobody's ever heard of. Platinum-selling artists, we can do that without editing their song. You know, it kind of came down to favoritism. Well, you know, that's kind of how some movie will get a PG-13, and another that is less violent will get an R. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have a whole episode on the ratings board at some point. But, you know, yeah. you, Dad, you've got sway. Look at, you know, Steven Spielberg sits on the ratings board. Gee, I wonder how Saving Private Ryan got an R. <laughs> but, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 got an X. And uh, uh, Temple of Doom getting a PG. Well, Temple of Doom's one of the reasons PG-13 was made. Oh, I know, I know, but it was still... It, I still find it funny that it, it it's still a PG. It's the it's the reason why the PG-13 got made, but it still it still is a PG. When that that movie's a total R. <laughs> look at look at look at Planet of the Apes. A G. He, yeah, Heston swears constantly. He runs around half the movie with his ass hanging out. There's an attempted rape in the movie. A bunch of I'm going to use the term people get shot. A guy gets lobotomized. G. General audiences. Yeah. No. That's at least a PG. Easy. <laughs> There's no way that movie is G. Was it? I had a VHS, and I don't know if it was right, but I, I had a v, the, the the video store that I, I I grew up I grew up near had a VHS of the Green Berets that said rated G. I've never seen Green Berets, so I don't know how graphic that is. Well, it's definitely uh it's definitely a, a 
peach. It would it would definitely get a PG thirteen nowadays. It's got it's a Viet it's a it's it's a Vietnam propaganda movie. Um, but there is a there's a guy where there's a part where a guy gets stabbed with a bed of uh of like bamboo spikes like a bed of bamboo spikes like right through him and uh he's totally a G <laughs> well I don't know it also goes the other way if you look at some movies that are rated R they'd yeah. never get an R today look like, at look at say the exterminator from Glickenhaus that would be NC-17 straight through if that movie were made today exactly the same way it'd be yeah. an NC-17 there's no way they would allow an R for that I thought you meant uh, something that got an R in the day and nowadays would be like a PG-13 or a PG. There are some of those. I've seen some, like some of the tamer sex comedies. Like, yeah. have you ever seen Moving Violations? Oh, yeah, with the John, the John Murray one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one, I don't think that deserves an R. L- literally, that, sh- that is a PG-13 movie straight through, but I guess because they said f- three times in it. R, you can say that word now in any... PG-13 movie three times. I remember, too, at the time uh, uh, go, going to see The Matrix and thinking, uh, why is this an R? I guess because people, people get shot. People get shot. <laughs> that movie would totally be a PG-13 nowadays. All three of them would. Although I, I seem to... I don't know if this is true, but I I thought I remembered hearing around the time that they specifically requested it to be an R because yeah, because there's that whole perception of yeah. PG-13 being an, an edited film. I, I've I've heard that. We'll talk more about that. We've only got a minute and a half left. We'll talk okay. more about that in our our ratings episode. But cool. I, I've heard that numerous times that people will actually add swearing and violence to not get a PG-13. Hey, yeah. Because the PG-13 um, will hurt them in the at the box office. So if it is, I've got no problem with it. If it works, you know. I just I don't think you should be adding stuff just for the rating. The same way you shouldn't be taking Depends. away I think, things. I think, I think if, it, if, it, if you can make it work, that's fine. But if it's something that's it's blatantly added in there for no reason whatsoever, it, it can it can come across pretty stupid. Don't open till Christmas. Yeah. yeah all yeah. The, the obviously added after the fact gore scenes. Yeah. All right, you can check Brad out at cinemasnob.com, me at 1201beyond.blogspot.com. You can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And we got 30 seconds to waste, Brad, so talk. <laughs> well, check out my uh, new video over sexed rug suckers from Mars, and uh, I got a new 80s Dan up on the McDLT. That better have been frosting, by the way. It was cream of mushroom soup dyed green. I would have just gone with green frosting, but I guess you're more hardcore than I am. I just had it in my I had it in my my cabinets as opposed to green frosting. Alright, good night.
Let's go.